0: I think it's going to start here. How many of you have uh, reverse gear in your vehicle? Pretty much everybody? There are some people who don't, but that's pretty universal. How many of you have had to be willing before to use it? Nobody. <laughs> wow, y'all are pretty good. You see those yard sales before you get past them. You don't have to back up even. Now, how many of you were at a yard sale today? Nice sized church and no Mennonites present whatsoever. <laughs> no, I was thinking about... Uh, smart enough to work on my PowerPoint while I keep on talking. Anybody here? Good. Glad for it. No, what I was thinking about last night as I was driving home, I thought about something I want to reverse a little bit. I want to go back to uh, last night I made a comment. And I was thinking about this comment going home and I thought that was not a good comment. I was talking about something about your money and I think it was about the amount that you give as opposed to what you were able to give that God is not impressed with amounts. the expression I used was, I don't think God gives a flip what you give. And I think that that sense is true, but that was not good wording. We shouldn't speak that disrespectfully of God. God's not, you know, you might not give a flip, and I might not give a flip, but God is more important than that. So I'm kind of backing up there a little bit. I shouldn't say it that way. So sometimes I get a little excitable but that's not an excuse for saying it that way. I wanna talk about debt tonight. I'm gonna start through these definitions and he'll get it to where it needs to be um, by and by here. If you need to restart, you can. Defining terms, debt is simply money that you borrow and interest is the rent that you pay on uh, when you borrow someone else's money start talking about what an asset is, we just want to really have a a good common sense understanding of some of these terms. An asset is something that is real. It is a tangible thing. That means you can touch it, you can see it, but you can also touch it. Um, It's hard in one sense. An asset is something that has lasting value. It was worth something yesterday, it's worth something today, and you have a reasonable expectation that it will be worth something again tomorrow because it has lasting value what's worth something yesterday is worth something today and you believe every it is commonly held to be worth something tomorrow it is then transferable that means you can find a willing buyer for that thing Thank you very much. You can find a willing buyer for that asset if you are asking a fair market price. If you are asking a ridiculous price, then maybe it isn't even an asset because it's not transferable. I was at a yard sale today. And at this one particular yard sale, there was an item that when I saw it on the table, I did walk up to look at it and I did look for the price. And the price was several times, the asking price, or what they had on the little sticker, was several times what I would have been willing to buy. So I didn't even offer them anything for it because they obviously had an inflated value of what it was worth. I wasn't going to embarrass them or embarrass myself by asking if they would take like one-tenth of what they were asking for it so i never inquired that's really not an asset in my mind to them because it's not transferable nobody in their right mind was going to pay thirty dollars for that particular thing because that was not market price for that item um, if you have things that are tangible and they have lasting value and are transferable, you have some assets. There are two types of debt that you might have in your life. You may have collateral-based debt, or you might have consumer debt, or what we might call personal debt. The effects of having these two types of debt um, are significant and important to understand. Collateral-based debt is linked to an asset. It's money that you owe, but behind that debt, there is something that is real, a skid loader, or a piece of property, a house, a car. It's a real thing. It has lasting value. Now maybe not permanent value, cars depreciate, but it was worth something yesterday It's worth something today, and we all have a reasonable expectation it's going to be worth something tomorrow, and therefore it's transferable. If you put a fair market price on it and set it out by the road or put a sign out or advertise it, likely somebody will come along and be willing to buy that from you. When you have collateral-based debt, you have an obligation to pay you are indebted for a sum of somebody else's money. But in return for that obligation, you did receive an asset. You now have control of this nice, new, very useful skid loader. Or you have ownership, control of this piece of property, or this house, or this pickup truck that you can use in your business to make work, to make money. Um, You have an asset. That is a very different situation than having consumer debt or personal debt. Personal debt is not linked to an asset. There is nothing tangible of lasting value which is transferable to another person. Um, The examples are easy to come up with. Um, this is Friday night, and if you weren't at Bible school, maybe you would be taking your family to town for something. You would be wanting to go to this store and the wife wants to go over here, and we are going to stop and pick up pizza, or we ate at home, but on the way home, we told the children, we will stop for ice cream. Let's say you did that. You went to town, you bought your stuff, Um, The children are reminding you, you said we would stop for ice cream. So you stop, you go up, you order what you want, you order what the wife wants, you remember everything the children want to order. You get all your ice cream, and you pay for it with your credit card. They ring you up, and you walk away. How much are those ice cream cones worth tomorrow? Ice cream cones have very low resale value, okay? Um, They're generally not transferable. They are hard in the sense that they are real things, but they don't have lasting value. They certainly have value at the moment you got them. You were willing to enter into a financial transaction to get that nice big um, soft serve chocolate cone. You were willing. It had value to you right now. How much value does it have tomorrow? It has no value tomorrow. Um, Before you bought the ice cream, you stopped at a store and amongst the things that you purchased was a pack of socks because you needed a new pair of socks, you needed some new socks. So you bought these socks, Um, you start wearing them about 30 days later the credit card bill comes and you had bought the socks with your credit card and alas you are low on funds you do not quite have enough money to pay the credit card bill so what do you do? do you fold the socks up nicely and send them to visa? sorry I did not quite have the money but I will just return the socks no They are not interested in the socks because really, do socks have lasting value? No. Does the debt still exist? Yes. So when you buy an asset, hard, tangible, transferable, lasting value and you have a debt, if you want to get rid of the debt, push comes to shove, things are getting tight, Um, you've changed your mind, you want to do something different, you don't want to owe money anymore, what can you do? You can sell the skid loader, or the property, or the pickup truck, and you can get some money back, and hopefully, you can pay your debt. You have a debt, but it is based on an asset that has value. That is an entirely different situation to be in than to have run up credit card debt and there's nothing standing behind it. When the bill comes due, you owe, but you have gained no assets. You have consumed, that's why we call it consumer debt, you have consumed whatever value was there, it's no longer transferable to someone else. Later on tonight, if I get to it, I will use the expression debt to income ratio. This is the amount of debt that um, you would consider um, holding in comparison to the amount of money that you make. Maybe you've never thought about your debt that way. How much debt is it safe to have? Well, it is very safe to have zero debt. There's a lot of security in having no debt. And I think you can understand that the more debt you have, the more danger you are putting yourself in. But think of it in terms of that metric, a ratio. What kind of debt level are you comfortable with? Would you be comfortable with a one-to-one ratio? If I make $40,000 a year, I would be comfortable being $40,000 in debt. That's a one-to-one ratio. A two-to-one ratio would be if I make $40,000 a year, I would not be uncomfortable being $80,000 in debt. And when I'm talking about debt, I'm talking about all your debt. Your, any vehicle payments you might have, um, your mortgage, uh, anything you owe with a private loan to another person, your Aunt Tilly or, or Dottie that you borrowed money off of, credit cards, I wrap all that in there, all of your debt together. Um, We will get to that a little bit later. What is a safe ratio other than zero? Nothing, no debt. Collateral-based debt is used by some people as part of an investment. You wanna go to work. Maybe you want to be a roofer. Maybe that's what your dad was, he taught you how to do it. It is a skill that you have it is in demand in the community, I can earn a living being a roofer, I'm going to need a pickup truck, I might need a trailer, and it wouldn't be um, uh, bad to own one of those roofer buggies, you know, that go up and you can tear the shingles off, take it down, Um, that would be nice to have, a convenient asset to have, Um, and I borrow money. Well, Do I have assets standing behind it? I do. I did incur um, collateral-based debt. There is something there of value that I can sell that is better than being in a different type of situation. Um, Most people, most people go into collateral-based debt in order to have a place to live. They get tired of renting When you rent, how much of the money comes back to you at the end of the year or at the end of five years or ten years? None. I was just this um, two weekends ago, I was um, in western Pennsylvania where I grew up, went to my grandma's and um, my grandma has some rentals, I went to the old farmhouse and I was visiting with the renter as I was just walking around kind of reminiscing living there as a child and he told me that it's been 27 years now that we've been renting this place renting for 27 years I know about what they pay for rent they paid for the house twice and what's my grandma going to give them when they move away? nothing so yes a lot of you collateral based debt might look pretty attractive because I want to have a place to live but I don't want to give all my money away in rent, so I will get a mortgage, and I will have an asset, a property, which I can even improve in value if I'm willing to work on it, and I will owe money that I will be paying off over time. Consumer debt is used to buy items that lose value. We've talked about that. The price of these items, um, while the value of the items is going away on you, decreasing. The price you paid for the item is actually increasing because if you bought it on credit cards and not paying off every month, you're paying significant interest on it. What does the scripture say about debt? Um, It has quite a bit to say about debt. The scripture does not ever tell us that debt is a sin. That is significant. The scripture also never gives one word of encouragement about going into debt. There are no verses which encourage you to borrow money in the Bible. There are plenty of verses that warn you what debt will be like. Debt is a form of servitude. The borrower is servant to the lender. Do you like being someone else's servant? Are you willing to submit your Goals and income in life to someone else's authority. If you are not willing, do not borrow any money from anyone for any reason. If you borrow money, you come underneath, the Bible says, someone else's authority. You need to be willing to accept that. The scripture tells us that if you incur debt, you are to repay it. It says that the wicked borroweth and payeth not again. That is the description that I imagine you do not care to have applied to you. It is the wicked that borrows and does not pay again. That's why um, in the book of Ecclesiastes, the writer, probably Solomon there, gives the warning, better it is that you don't vow or promise than that you would vow or promise and not be able to follow through. So before you would enter into any type of debt, for a vehicle, for a piece of equipment, for a property, you should think about it seriously. I do not want to make any promise that there's a doubt I'm going to be able to carry through on. When you buy a house, you're often making a 20, 25, maybe even if you stretch it out, a 30-year promise that 30 years from now, month by month, I will be able to pay this much money. There are some assumptions that go into borrowing money. When do you have to pay according to the scripture? The scripture says, withhold not good from him to whom it is due when it is in the power of thine hand to do it. Don't tell your neighbor to whom you owe money, come again tomorrow if you happen to have the money. When you have the money, that's when you pay your bills. You do not have the right to decide that, well, I borrowed money from my Aunt Mary and she really doesn't need it back. So I think I'll skip the payment that I said I would give at the first of the year. It is not up to you to decide when you pay back. There are terms when debt is incurred, and you are obligated to honor those. If you ever do find yourself in a difficult financial situation, we would say in financial embarrassment, and you owe money, it is due somewhere to someone on a certain day, and you are not able to pay, do not make them come find you. There is a lack of integrity in that. If you can foresee that I owe the bank or I owe my dad or I owe my boss money and I owe on the first of the month and we're at the 28th of the previous month, it doesn't look like I'm going to have the money to pay. It is your obligation to go to them to knock on their door, to humble yourself and to admit I promised you I would have you money on the first. That was our agreement. It does not look like I'm going to be financially able to do it. I am very sorry. Are you willing to work with me? That requires humility, but it also demonstrates integrity. When you make them come look for you, um, it is an opposite type of situation. The book of Nehemiah talks about the children of Israel being in debt, and they were crying and weeping, Um, Their situation was extreme. They'd gotten to the point where their wives and children were being auctioned off to pay their debts. But it is a sad picture of where debt can go. It can go to places that bring you to tears. What are consequences of debt? Debt can become a cycle. People who are in debt find comfort in being able to have what they want now and not having to pay for all of it. That gets to be a comfortable life. So when I've paid off this debt, I'll just go get another debt. People borrow money for vehicles. (coughs) Vehicles are depreciating items. The value does go down as they get older and as you increase the mileage on those vehicles. Um, You don't drive it down the road and every mile is just worth more and more dollars. And when you sell it, you just make a killing off of it. No, um, don't you generally lose money After you drive a vehicle for a number of years and then sell it It's a depreciating item Um, Some people get into vehicle debt They have this big car payment or truck payment and they're paying on it and paying on it and finally five or seven years later they get it paid for and then soon after It's not in good running condition. It's not trustworthy and what do they have to do? All their money went into payments. They couldn't save up money for another vehicle. And now they have to go right into another debt cycle. Debt causes worry and stress. Debt increases temptations. I would suggest there are at least two temptations that increase if you are a person who is not afraid of debt. Um, One would be a temptation toward materialism. You actually can have whatever you want if you're not afraid of debt. You can get a credit card and go in the store, and you can buy whatever you lay your eyes on if you're not afraid of debt. You can have more, and you can have it now. You do not have to wait. Um, That's materialism. It's loving things. The Bible word is covetousness. It's called a sin. And if you feel like you have enough temptations in life, you can barely handle the temptations that you have in life, you don't need to be a person who's heavily in debt. Uh, the second temptation I can think of is a temptation toward dishonesty. Um, it is countless times that a person ends up doing something they thought they would never do because they were in debt and feeling pressure. Many of the man has cut corners in business to make a little more money on a job because he has heavy obligations and does not see how he is going to meet them come the first of the month. Don't be a person who is quick to go into debt. Debt can be presumptuous. Um, Sometimes people go into debt and they never talk to God about it. They never prayed and asked if God wanted them to buy that thing and if God wanted them to wait or if God wanted to provide some other way. Perhaps there has been a time in your life when God had something planned for you he had something lined up to come your way to meet a need in your life and without even talking to him you went ahead and borrowed money and just got what you wanted and God said fine you did that your way I will just direct the thing I was going to send your way to someone else debt can be presumptuous And remember that debt ties down resources, ties down your money, and it ties down your time. Here I'd like to give a particular encouragement to those who are young fathers or young married men. Your children are only young one time. If you are a man who is unafraid of large debt, you buy too big of a house, you buy too nice of a house, your pride wants you to drive a nicer truck than you can afford to drive, then you will have large debt, you will need to spend more hours working, and you will get to spend less time with your children. And time lost with little children is never regained, nor can quantity of time be replaced with quality time. So if you're a young man, you would be better off postponing large debt until you invest in your children first. Many a man has paid off, has built a business, or paid off a farm, and in the end, lost the chance to build good solid relationship and provide good training to his children. Many a man in his old age has regretted it, and it is too late to change anything. Don't be a young man that goes down that path. Admittedly, housing is the largest expense you are going to face as a family. Most likely, unless you go into some type of larger business, it is challenging. And if you live in one of the larger Anabaptist communities, as you do, um, you face a particular challenge. Um, we move from a larger community to a smaller community, and there certainly are differences in real estate prices. The young couples in our community can buy fixer-upper houses for fifty dollars to $70,000. They might have to put $30,000 to $50,000 in it, but they're starting off with very nice homes for under $150,000. I don't imagine you can start off with a very nice home for under $150,000 in your community. If you want to live here, it's going to be a significant expense in your life, and you're going to have to have a plan to meet that do remember that rented housing is not always a bad option. I, I think it would be profoundly unwise for you to rent for 27 years and pay off a place twice for some other person. Um, but um, renters have some advantages. No, they're not going to get any of their money back, but they are not in general for the maintenance they do not have to pay real estate taxes, which when you own a property, you find out how significant that is, and they have flexibility. If they change their mind, wanna go into voluntary service, what do they do? They walk away. You own a property, you have a 20-year mortgage on that property, you don't walk away, you may have to take time to disengage yourself from it. Um, For some young people, it's just a question of, not are you going to lose money, you just get to choose how you're gonna lose money. You can lose money paying rent, or you can lose money by paying a lot of interest because you only had a small down payment and had to borrow a very large amount of money and end up paying more interest in your lifetime. A little bit of advice for young people when it comes to housing, you should certainly look for value added housing options. Don't buy at the top of the market, buy at the bottom of the market. Buy the worst looking house, in a good neighborhood. And then invest your sweat equity to make it into a better property, build value in it. Don't expect to start where your parents left off. Um, Your parents did not have the house that they have now back when they were newly married. You need to um, realize that the house we first buy when we're newly married it's not our dream house. It doesn't need to be our dream house. It doesn't have to be the house that we want to raise our children in and host our grandchildren in. It needs to be the house that works for us when there's me and her and a little boy and a little baby girl. It needs to work for a couple of years for us. And then after that, we'll move to something that's a little further off the road, has a nicer yard, and maybe has more of the other things we would like about it. Be willing to start humble. Um, some bench, bench debt benchmarks. These are the benchmarks we use at AF. If you would apply to us for a loan, um, we're going to be looking for something. We do not want your housing costs to be... Um, oh, there's a wrong word in there. It says less. Housing costs should not be more than 33% of... Your monthly income. What do we wrap into housing cost? Your payment, the insurance, and the taxes. Add those three up, divide your annual income by three, and that's about what you can, or I'm sorry, divide your monthly income by three, that's what you can actually afford for a payment. We won't lend to you if the payment, the um, property taxes, and the insurance on the property takes up one, more than one-third of your monthly income, you can actually do it on more. Um, depends on who you are. Some people are thriftier than others. Um, you are not Amish. Amish young couples can often go up to 40%. They don't spend the money you do on clothes or out to eat or things like that. But people like you, people like me, If it's more than 33%, probably your budget isn't going to work long-term in one or more areas. Um, We want a 20% down payment, and we do that for your protection. Um, Property values do go up and down some, depending on the economy. We don't want you to get put into a situation where you paid a certain amount for a property. The value went down 15% because of a recession, You had to sell for some reason, and you had only had a 10% down payment, and you end up walking away owing money. If anyone ever has to sell out that we lend money to, we want them to walk away free and clear, 20% of buffer or value that they own, it's theirs, Um, or we want them to break even. We don't want anyone to walk away owing money, that's a terrible feeling for them, and everyone else and there were a lot of people in the real estate market in this last big downturn that they walked away owing money sold the house it brought less than they owed on it because it was back in the era of the banks would give 5% down payment loans 0% down loans when the value of the property dipped those people were left owing money the maximum debt to ratio Um, debt-to-income ratio that we will permit is four to one. So if you're a young couple and you come to us um, and you make $60,000 a year, don't even ask to borrow more than $240,000. And that's your total debt load. That's if you owe money to anybody else, we're concluding that. Maximum is four to one. So if you're a little bit of a risk taker in life, um, maybe we'd let you go to four to one three to one safer than four to one, isn't it? Is two to one safer than three to one? Is one to one safer than two to one? And is no debt at all the safest place to be? Yes, it is. Um, we would just advise you in your lifetime, you never want more than a four to one debt ratio. Um, that's the highest we will go. Um, now, we do acknowledge if you're an older person, it ought not to be four to one. You know, some of these young couples here, they, have, they can expect to have a number of good working years. Some of you other people sitting here, um, you look like you've got 10 years left or five years or you don't have any good years left. You know? Um, we can't count that you can have handle a 10-year payment. Here's a sample mortgage. Um, just to illustrate it for you, if you've never bought a house before um, or you're a young person and you're thinking, well, how does this work when I buy a house? This is just a, this is a, a generic illustration. So take it for what it is. $150,000 mortgage, borrowed at 5.5% for 25 years, produces a monthly payment of $921.00. Okay, now let's just think a little bit about this metric we said not more than one third so 921 is the monthly payment I got to pay my real estate taxes yet and I got to pay the insurance yet on this property so let's just say we add those in maybe I'm up to $1,500 a month total for my housing expense now uh, what should my monthly income be? to have that kind of payment? About $45,000 maybe. I'm sorry, $4,500. So what ought my annual income to be then? You can do some math. Um, You might need to pull your phone out. Okay, you are a good and faithful borrower. You make every payment on time. Never miss a payment, you're never late. You pay that thing off 25 years later, You paid back the $150,000 you borrowed. You also paid $126,339 in interest. So you bought a $150,000 house and you paid $276,000 for it. Well, that house better have appreciated it in value. You better have remodeled the kitchen and added on an extra bathroom and did nice flower beds and pave the driveway, and have nice fruit trees planted in the backyard, and um, replace the roof. You better would have done all those things because to break even, you have to sell the house that you bought for 150 at $276,000, or you lost money owning that house. Interest eats people up. The lower the down payment you have, The more you're paying out in interest and the less that you will get ahead in life that's why the bigger the down payment you have the happier we are for you because you will end up paying less interest here's a little illustration of why you should always pay ahead on your mortgage if you're able as a young couple same mortgage situation these are the same people the $150,000 um, borrowed at 5.5% for 25 years, same monthly payment you see there, if they could come up with an extra $60 a month to send along, loan, so instead of writing their payment out for 921, they write it out for $981. And they do that, they will save three years off paying for that house, and they will put $17,504 in their pockets in saved interest. Is $17,504 worth having? If you were walking down the street and $17,504 was laying there, would you bother to pick it up? I think you would. You know how you can pick it up? If you have a mortgage, anything similar to this, Pay an extra $60 a month. What's an extra $60 a month? There's about 21 working days in a month, cut off Saturdays and Sundays, just Monday through Fridays. Let's round that down to 20. How many extra dollars a day do you need to come up with to pay 60 extra a month? Three bucks a day. How much does coffee and a bag of chips cost at Turkey Hill? You want to save seventeen thousand five hundred and four dollars drink your coffee from home and if you want chips bring a little bag of chips that your wife bought at some super saver in bags this big okay and you just picked up and put seventeen thousand five hundred dollars in your pocket look how much it gets better um, you can even split that up husband and wife can make a, a, a you know a deal with each other every day I'm going to save a buck fifty, and you're going to save a buck fifty, and together we'll have seventeen thousand dollars, and maybe we can even take a little trip to Dolphin County or something, you know, <laughs> modest um, to reward ourselves. If you can do twice that, an extra hundred and twenty dollars um, a month, you save over thirty thousand dollars, and you cut five years four months off your mortgage. If you could do, that's $240 for those of you who are sitting over here that can't see it, if you could do an extra $240 a month, kind of strap you down, gonna make you live tight, gonna make you live on a budget, gonna make you watch your pennies, extra $240 a month, you put $48,646 in your pocket till you pay for that house. And you take eight years and eight months off 25-year mortgage. Does that seem like worth doing? Um, It seems to make sense to me. Let's talk about credit cards in the few minutes we have left. We won't get to saving tonight, but that's fine. Um, If you're going to avoid debt, you're going to have to save, and one of your preachers can preach a sermon on savings um, in the next couple months. tool that can be good? Sure. But it's a tool that's designed to trap. There are advantages from credit cards. Let's not pretend there are not advantages to having and using a credit card. Um, You can set up reoccurring monthly payments. I don't like that myself because I like the act of paying. It reminds me every month, is this worth having? Is this worth doing? And sometimes I decide, no, we don't need to do that. So it's not gonna be a reoccurring payment for me, but maybe that's a convenience for you. Um, It does allow you to carry less cash on hand. I travel a fair bit. I've been in Lancaster County for a week. I did bring some cash with me, but I have a little blue piece of plastic in my pocket that I used several different times this week because it meant I did not have to carry as much cash with me. Um, I'll pay it all off when the bill comes, um, use their money, never let it go over the 30 days, never pay any interest on it, but it does allow me to carry less cash. If you can always pay it off and never pay interest on a credit card, then maybe it helps you out there. Um, Payments for some items, increasingly in our world, I see this one. If you're in business and you gotta order parts, um, increasingly it's difficult not to order online. And they don't want to bill you. They want you to pay with a credit card. It makes sense. And certainly travel conveniences as well. Credit card traps. Consumer debt trap. If you have a piece of plastic in your pocket, you can walk into most stores and you can buy what you want right now. Impulse buying. You might regret you bought it later. You might not think it was worth having later. But you done bought it it's on the credit card bill because you saw it and you had a piece of plastic in your pocket um, and you bought things that really didn't have lasting value generally you do not buy skid loaders houses and pickup trucks on credit cards you buy pizza socks and ice cream things that depreciate in value so of course you need to be careful zero percent interest is a trap as are rewards or points back cabela's points Aren't they good things? Don't you want to have those? Why do credit card companies offer 0% interest or points back or cash back? The only reason they offer it is because they know that over time and across the population, they will make more money off of people if they offer those programs. They know that they need to train you to pay with your credit card regularly. Um, they understand, they firmly understand that the average person, if, if that person can be trained to regularly pay with their credit card, their overall spending will increase between 12 and 18 percent because they didn't have to pay right now. You know, I, I will always have a more, little more money next month is what we think. Remember, the credit card company is not your friend, Nothing they offer you is done for your benefit. It is only done because they know in the long run, across the population, they will pull more money out of people's pockets by offering such promotions. I would give you a little um, encouragement. Here's a policy you could set. Maybe you decide as a family we do need a credit card because of the advantages that it offers, but we are going to make a commitment, husband and wife, and it's, it's two parts to it. The first part, we're committing that we will pay it off every month in full. We will never carry a balance over and incur interest charges. We promise each other that. The second part of the commitment is the first month it ever happens that we do not pay it off in full and it goes over, we promise each other and we will hold each other to it, that we are going to take that credit card. What do you think I'm going to say? Cut it up? No. I'm going to tell you do something harder than cut it up. The first month that we do not pay it off in full, we are going to take our credit card and the statement and we're going to go give it to one of our friends at church and say, here's my credit card, here's the statement I want I am not able to pay it, and I'm asking you not to give my credit card back to me until I can bring you the next statement that shows that it's paid in full. That would be pretty humiliating, wouldn't it? It's a brilliant, I will say, very effective tool <laughs> to prevent credit card abuse. How soon till the charging come up? Just about? Ready? Whenever you're done. Okay. Just look at this here yet and I will stop here. Um, Here's just a sample credit card for those of you who never had a credit card before. Some of you younger ones don't know how this works. A person racked up a $2,000 bill on the credit card. They couldn't pay, so the interest charges kicked in. In, uh, Credit cards don't charge two to 3% interest to the people who don't pay it off. Um, They charge exorbitant amounts If you make the minimum payment, uh, for those of you who can't see, I apologize, but minimum payment is $50 a month, it will take you 61 months to pay it off. You racked up $2,000 of charges and then quit. You didn't put anything else on it, you quit. It will take you over five years to pay that off and you will pay $1,077 in interest. How smart is that? You ended up paying over five years $3,077 for $2,000 worth of merchandise that is now worth nothing. The scripture says it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. And I trust that's what you aspire to be.